All right, hello, Rare Bird Radio. Uh, David Rose here. You probably heard me a couple years ago with my uh, debut book into the uh, grand world of military nonfiction, No Joy, Recon Marines Tales, Self-Destruction, and I have um, very uh, very happily uh, done a, a bit of a, uh, a teenage fantasy here and uh, taken a dive into um, w- where dark fantasy and horror intersect with my forthcoming novel, Malgara, The Necromancer's Will, out May 12th. And uh, joining me today is um, a, a gentleman who was uh, gracious enough to uh, supply uh, a, a blurb for the book and, and someone whose work I have uh, actually started reading about nine months ago uh, based off of just sort of perusing the wild west of Twitter. And uh, very happy to have him today, uh, Mr. John Taff. Well, thank you, David. It was a... Uh... It was a great honor to read the book. I, it, you know, I normally don't read a lot of uh, fantasy these days, but it was, your book was a, a pleasant surprise. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, uh, John, what do you got going on now? I'd seen we, uh, we have The Fearing. Yeah, I have a, uh, uh, a big book coming out. And uh, what the uh, publisher, Gray Matter Press, out of Chicago, has to do is to release it in serial fashion so mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's between a 550 and 600 page book so Jesus. we split it up into four parts we found the the beats that made the mo- most sense in each part uh to keep people reading and uh the first part of the fearing which is subtitled fire and rain will come out july 9th and then the rest of the pieces will come out in six-week intervals. So uh, there'll be another chunk out in August, another chunk out in uh, October, another chunk out in November. So kind of a big deal. It's a, it's a big book. That uh, is. That's, that's massive. <laughs> and I've been working on it for a long, long time. So uh, it's kind of a apocalyptic thing, an end-of-the-world thing. Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I I didn't even plan on asking you uh, this originally, but but now that you mentioned the, the length, is this the type of book that you um, like? For instance, I've, I'm actually in the middle of reading Tolstoy's War and Peace, and I have to actually stop mm-hmm. and read read smaller books. <laughs> right, uh, right, uh, right. On, on the writer's front, have you worked on like I'm, I'm assuming like entire books and short stories and such, like uh, uh, and maybe some like little hiatuses while working on the fearing because of just the length. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, this is a this became a joke um, between my my now wife and I when we were still dating. Is uh, you know I I I had stopped writing for a while, stopped writing for about seven years, uh, mm-hmm. and then came back to it and really built up my name with short stories and novellas. But I realized, you know, at the time that I needed to get back into the novel game and. Uh, you know, like I said, I had this big idea for this big novel, but it was kind of big and sprawling and had a lot of characters and it was intimidating. And so I would mm-hmm. write a little bit on it and then go away from it and write a little bit and go away. And that took five years um, to where my wife was telling me, you know, you need to either finish this novel or you need to go get a job. Since <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't want to get a job. Um, I decided I, it was probably in my best interest and the best interest of my marriage to uh, to finish the book. So I finished it uh, about two years ago and then uh, tried to float it out there with some of the big publishers. Uh, but what I was hearing consistently was 
I wasn't a big enough name to pull off a book of that size. So uh, um, uh. I talked to two uh, writing friends of mine, uh, Josh Manneman, who's the author of uh, Bird Box. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ray Garten, who's a grandmaster of horror, been around forever. It's, uh, mm. you know, a big, big name in the horror industry. Yeah. Basically, what they said was, you know, you're better off just finding a publisher who will put it out the way you want it put out. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I did that. I went back to my publisher, Gray Matter, and, you know, even they were a little daunted by the size. Uh, but I think we uh, came out upon a great method to get it out there and, and keep excitement going about the story. So I hope well, people will like it. Yeah, and well, it's got to feel cool to have. It sounds like uh, quite a bit of artistic control. That's one of the reasons I actually uh, have enjoyed Rare Bird. Is uh, is that you mm-hmm. know, like, okay, you know, I I have this 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 object here <laughs> that I'm handing right. to you that, that that means the world to me, and it's really nice when it doesn't get uh, chipped and repainted too much. So. <laughs> yeah, I think people get too hung up on you know big big publishers and and that kind of thing. You know, the the thing that is really uh, it's a good thing right now is that, that in the, at least in the horror press, most of the, the weight of the horror market is being borne by the small and independent publishers. Hmm. So, you know, the big publishers are great. I mean, but the, really the only good thing that I can see about big publishers is, A, they expose your, uh, they expose your work to a larger audience than you probably yeah. could with a smaller independent press. And B, there's more zeros on the check that they pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the independent press, if you hook up with a good one, and I will hasten to say that Grey Matter Press is one of the best small presses out there in dark fiction, dark speculative fiction. You do. You have a little bit more creative control, and you have a little bit more of a uh, real hands-on working uh, relationship with the publisher, which I think is really great. I mean, yeah, you know. absolutely. Yeah. So, kind of, I had I had a couple questions in, in mind. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I, I sort of cobbled or not cobbled, that sounds pejorative, but, but, uh, had, uh, sort of like, like listed out as far as like things that after I'd read some of your work is that there seems to be a lot of diversity of horror in, in your work. Mm-hmm. I know that like, like Clive Barker is obviously afraid of bodily decay, bodily decay, Lovecraft, you know, right. the, unknown, the unknown, uh, would you say, do you have like a, a particular like apex fear and, and does it appear in your work in any particular way? I, I don't know. I think uh, but what I've kind of uh, gotten my niche on in the horror industry is what, is, you know, what people refer to as emotional horror. That, mm-hmm. that kind of uh, horror that, that may be visceral in some sense, but it also plays on your emotions a little bit more. And it, and it you know, my stuff tends to fold in more emotions than just fear, you know, because I, I believe strongly that Fear is a lot worse in a book when you're also playing on the reader's other emotions. So love, e- love, yeah, you yeah, know, it, all it, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it seems like fear is an emotion that is within a in, within a web. It's not something that stands alone. Exactly. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah, yeah I, I like that a lot. But, and so, you know, to, when I set out to write, I'm, I'm not just trying to make somebody jump or, or be uncomfortable. I'm, I'm trying to you know, create, like you said, a web of emotions that people will, you know, fall into. Mm-hmm. And to my mind, that makes the fear 
so much worse when when you've got the reader involved in other emotions when they're firing off on you know they really care for a character or you know they're really sad or, or, or like pity pity like is, is something yeah. that i that i that i found uh, reading your exactly. you know, yeah that works yeah. well yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah, you know probably more than more than a, just a overriding fear for me um i think it's all about the emotions in the story and so my mind stuff tends to be a bit slower and a bit, you know, I guess, quote unquote, more literary, although I don't, I don't like that term. Um, but yeah, I don't think, you know, a lot of my stuff is not uh, very gory, mm-hmm. although some of my stories do have gore in them because I think that that's a important part of horror. But yeah, um, yeah. that's sort of where I come from. Well, it, it's fascinating. I think horror is... is a really fascinating concept is that you, you it's sort of this contract that you go into with the, the reader and the writer is that you know like they they, they nestle down in, in their uh, uh their lazy right. boy with a cup of tea or something and they're like okay <laughs> okay scared the shit out of me it, it it never ceases to amaze me not only that that i i guess i can see why people like it i guess what never ceases to amaze me is that people can pull it off it, that, that you can actually yeah. feel feel uh, uh, what we would call fear uh, coming off right. the pages of a book, it really it just never it never stops amazing me that people can can uh, pull those strings. Yeah, it is, and I you know just as a as a writer of horror, I find that that, that is easier to maintain that sense of horror and that that building that atmosphere that will creep people out or, or provide at least a, a creeping sense of dread. That's a lot easier to pull off in a short story or even a novella. It's harder to pull off in a novel consistently. Um, you know, I've read some articles about that recently, that, that horror, there's there's a lot to be said that horror, particularly supernatural horror, is, is better mm-hmm. set in, in short stories. And they'd give some really good bullet points, and it's escaping me at the moment. But as far as like, like uh, believability and tension and stuff like that, it's a, it's a, bit, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a bit more, um, let's just say, uh, apropos for uh, like a, a sort yeah. of a wood pulped, you know, 5,000 word or something compared to some sprawling, uh, right. uh, tome, you know, I mean, cause like, even like King, like, like, like the stand, I, I, I personally hardly classify that as horror. It, it, it has, it, it's something else, but, but it, it doesn't give me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're right. And, and actually we had this conversation between my publisher and I, when I, when he finished reading the fearing, he's like, you know, this isn't really, what I would consider to be horror, not, not, you know, hundred percent horror. it's really more, uh, of an uh, apocalyptic end of the world novel with horror mm-hmm. overtones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of horror overtones, I will say, but yeah, it's, it's not the same, it, you know, that, that's what will turn out to be a, you know, 550 to 600 page book is not a complete horror book. It's a, it's a book about horrors happening to people and how they yeah. react to it, but not a straightforward horror mm-hmm, book. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and that actually brings me uh, to, to uh, something I wanted to, to mention is that, um, that that it seems like a lot of horror now, like they said Thomas Ligotti was like philosophical horror. You'd mentioned earlier mm-hmm, like, right. emotion, emotional horror for yourself. Is It seems like, like horror is something that you can kind of put in front or behind something. Is it like you could throw it um into you know the southern gothic uh, or you could throw right. it in into uh dark fantasy which which is something i'm on a forum where it's, it's one of the uh most contested topics is where is the the fine line where, where or how do you define the line where dark fantasy ends 
and horror begins. For me personally, I, uh, my, my, my favorite book of all time was uh, The Throne of Bones by Brian McNaughton. It won the World Fantasy Award in 98, I believe. Sure, it was sure. Bram Stoker nominated. And mm-hmm. uh, that to me was, was the, for me, the perfect blend of, of horror and dark fantasy. And, um, you know, he was, is definitely, I, I, I don't hesitate to say, like, you know, my, my chief influence when I had um, decided to put together uh, Malgara okay. is, essentially, is, is essentially just something to go, okay, well, you know, there's a city here and a mountain range, then a city here, almost like if you're creating like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And then suddenly you're like, exactly. Wait, you know, there, there's a, there's a story here, you know? Yeah. And uh, um, is there a single author that you'd say it inspired you over all others? The way McNaughton has me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, first of all, I would, I want to say, I would have, go back to what you were talking about before. Yes, please. Fear for me, horror for me is a great palette to paint on because it, it in, in my mind, at least unlike the other genres out there of, of fantasy and science fiction, you know, horror is based on a fear. It's based on an emotion. Mm-hmm. So you can apply that emotion to any kind of story. It can be a science fiction story or a fantasy story or a Western or mm-hmm. a romantic. Yes. It can just spill into anything. So the, 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 the joy I have in writing horror, if you can put it that way, is that I can come up with any kind of story I want as long as I am able to figure out what the horror angle is, what the dark angle is. You know, yeah. it can be any kind of story. So that's always struck me as really appealing. Uh, yeah, so being there's a lot, lot, lot of freedom there as, as, as yeah. far as uh, that. I'd almost be a bit of a, I'm sure there's God knows how many anthologies as far as like, you know, oh, how creative, yeah, how yeah, creative yeah. can we get, you know, <laughs> right. the Western. The, yeah, yeah. But influential authors, uh, you know, I'm a big reader. I've been a big reader since I was a kid. I was the, you know, the kid that was holed up in his room all the time reading. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started reading, it was science fiction. You know, I, I got into reading through science fiction. So I read a lot of, you know, Asimov and Clark and Heinlein and that sort of thing. And that sort of um, segued into fantasy and, you know, obviously Tolkien, but you know, my, mm-hmm. my favorite fantasy writer is Stephen R. Donald okay. um, with the Thomas Covenant series. And I got hooked on that in the late 90s, late 70s, excuse me, and uh, have followed him all the way to his recent set of four books that he finally capped off that series with. But, you know, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big, I don't read a lot of fantasy these days just because for the most part, it doesn't appeal to me anymore, mm-hmm. but. You know, I was a big fan of uh, Robert Silverberg and uh, Jack Vance, those kind of authors. And then, you know, from fantasy is when I segued into horror and probably like almost every horror reader, I got hooked on King for, well, I got hooked on Poe first, I should say. Yeah. King. Yeah, there is sort um, there is sort of like a, a, a lineage. It's almost like a family tree. Yeah. And I've no, I have noticed that, that, with horror and, and, and weird fiction going, you know, from, you know, mm-hmm. oh, Lovecraft and everything down, is it that, that it, it's more than most genres that I've had discussions about personally is that, is that talk about sort of the, um, the, the umbilical cord of horror. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would probably say my biggest influence, uh, in my writing personally is probably Peter Straub. Um, I, uh, I read his ghost story a long time ago. And uh, he has become one of my my go-to authors when I want to read something that I've read before 
that I enjoyed, uh, his novel, The Throat, is probably one of my favorite books ever. And I reread it every couple of years just to get back into it. It's, a, it's again, it's a nice big, uh, book. It's, you know, 600 pages or so. Um, what's, what's it called? So the Throat? A, yes. The Throat. It's part of a cycle. He wrote a, a cycle okay. called the Blue Rose Cycle. And there are three books in that. Well, uh, the first one is called Mystery. The second one was Coco. And then the last one was The Throat. And it's a, you know, it's a, ex, it's an exploration of, um, the unreliable narrator, which I find a fascinating uh, mm-hmm. trope in literature that, you know, you're, you're having a story told to you in the pages of a book, but the person who's telling you the story is not completely reliable. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that, that discovery point too. When, when yes. you're like, wait a minute, there's, there's like an over logic here. <laughs> exactly. Wait a minute. This, yeah. this narrator is not telling me everything. Are <laughs> uh, you telling me it in a different way that it is not necessarily true? So, uh, yeah, I would I would hardly recommend those three books in the Blue Rose Cycle, but particularly the Throat. The Throat is just a it's just a great great book. Um, you know, so, uh, as, as we have the um, there's the uh, there's the unreliable narrator, but then there's another one that I've um, I've read recently, a pretty cool uh, mm-hmm. like like an academic quarterly, I guess about about the child narrator and how uh, sort of like Dennis Leary said about like juggling chainsaws. It's either going to be awesome or it's going to be really bad. <laughs> or something. And, oh, right, right. Uh, and they, and like Huck Finn is, is is I guess sort of the prime example about uh, and they go oh, yeah. all this detail about how cool uh, when 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 wielded by the right person, like like uh, what you can do with a child narrator as, as far as yeah. um, for me. It, that I, the point that I took on those was uh, bringing um, that ch- those childlike sensibilities out in the reader, which is usually a sense of, mm-hmm. of awe, a sense of wonder, but also like a sense of vulnerability. Yeah, and um, I actually I caught that I caught that a bit in uh, in your uh, A Winter's Tale, and, uh, and and another thing I caught is um, your nod to Lovecraft. Can you tell us a bit about how, if you don't mind, how you came to write this mm-hmm. and the uh, award it's been nominated for? <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, uh, uh, Winter's Tale was a, a short story in my recent collection called Little Black Spots that came out last September from Gray Matter, and I was surprised and, uh, overjoyed to learn that, uh, Winter's Tale, a Winter's Tale was, um, a finalist in the Stoker Award, the Bronx Stoker Award that the Four Writers Association puts out every year, so... My wife and I will be driving up to Grand Rapids uh, in about two weeks um, to go to the Stoker Convention up there. Oh, I'll and, be I'll be seeing uh, you there. Oh, really? You'll be there? Fantastic! Yeah, it's 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 a first um, first one for me actually. That'll be great. It's it's a great convention, and you know one of the things that has really impressed me about the horror industry is that it's filled with. Uh, some of the nicest people I've ever met, which is, you know, I think some people think when they think a bunch of horror writers getting together, they think, what a, what a bunch of horrible human beings that was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's really, most of these people are really, just really, really nice. So you'll have a blast. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll leave a little house trophy at the end. Of it, so that'll be nice. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it I'm, for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them is, is to meet you. And uh, yeah, and uh, definitely, how many of these have you gone to? I was, see, I've been doing this for about 30 years now. So um, I was really active in the early and middle 90s um, and then just had a bunch of 
stuff happened with my writing career and my life that I just kind of had to stop and reassess everything. Mm. And I made a, a decision that was, you know, at the time I thought was a good decision, but it, it, it was probably not the greatest decision to stop writing for about seven years. Um, so I let everything kind of fall by the wayside. And then, like I said, about, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I started to get back into it again. And when I did my, uh, uh Deb, who was my wife now, was my girlfriend at the time told me, she's like, yeah, you, you should get back into the, the Oral Writers Association. We should start going to do the convention. So we did that. We went to the, I went to the first one that I'd ever been to, um, which was, I think, in 2011 or 2012 in New Orleans, which was, that was the first one. It was the World Horror Convention. It was when the Horror Writers Convention was still hooked up with the World Horror Convention, and they did uh, dual conventions. So Sounds like um, a good city the first for one I went to. Huh? Sounds like a good city for it. Oh, it was great. We had a blast. And, um, you know, I made friendships at that convention that I still have to this day. And uh, it was such a great trip that I asked Deb to marry me down there. So, and she, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, it occupies a special place for me uh, for a lot of reasons. But, yeah, I've been to probably all of them over the last six or seven years, except for. Long Beach, which I think was two years ago. Um, But I like going to them. It gives me an opportunity. I think, you know, too much as a, as a writer, you have the tendency to hold yourself up and. Oh yeah. Don't get up and socialize. And, and uh, so this gives me a reason to get out there and, uh, you know, see people who I really enjoy. Yeah. That whole, that the whole, whole, The whole hold up tendency is I'm, I'm, I've been sort of uh, uh, nursing, it, right. nursing a theory as far as why people like Lovecraft and Clark Ashton Smith have so many like, uh, you know, reclusive necromancers and stuff is <laughs> a little you bit know, of autobiography. <laughs> you mentioned that story in the Lovecraft version of it, and I don't tend to be uh, a big fan of Lovecraft. I like some of his stuff, but, you know, he just doesn't uh, he just doesn't do it a lot for me. But, you know, having said that, I've written probably, I don't know, maybe half a dozen of stories that could conceivably be said to, to have some sort of a Lovecraft sheen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was very funny uh, when this story was made into the finalist round for the Stokers that, uh, that really the story of all the stories I've written, this is the story that that has a chance to win a Stoker, but <laughs> you know, whatever. I'll take it. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny how that works. I think uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt had said the uh, movie he was the least confident in was um, A River Runs Through It, and that was has been heralded yeah, many times. As, right. as one of his, yeah, so it's very strange how that works. Yeah, you really don't. You know, as an author, you don't. You have favorites of of the things that you've written, but you don't really have any control over how those things will be perceived once they're on the marketplace. But you know, readers will feel about them the way that they're going to feel about them, regardless of how you feel about them. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's something I've told uh, uh, some some people who um, are interested in breaking into the business. And, and, and it's it's almost a joke for, for me to mm. even feel, to be, <laughs> I'm like, you don't, you really don't know. <laughs> I, I still yeah. have a lot, left, a lot left to learn, buddy. But uh, one of the things that I had said, because um, I actually started in the blogosphere with a lot of like military literature and, um, right, and, right. And, and one of the things that um, 
I, that I found was sort of like the, the, the check, the, the yes or no for, for what we would publish and what we wouldn't was you could tell when somebody um, wrote a piece for themselves, which is fine. It's cathartic, but it would never resonate anywhere as, as strongly as when somebody right. wrote something for someone else, you know, and, and, exactly. when, and when, you know, when, when, when the, when the audience's emotions and, and gray matter, um, can at least be equal to your own on your priority list. Hopefully greater. Exactly. That's, when That's, you see the, goal. Some magic That's the goal. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. Why did you get in? Why did you jump from military into fantasy? Good question. You know, it, the military for me, the writing military was, was, was cathartic. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, but perhaps for the reasons people, people probably immediately assuming like, you know, PTSD and things, it, not so much. It was more of, uh, I couldn't stand the propaganda uh, coming uh, out of, yeah. of, of, the, of the military genre uh, for the uh, mm-hmm. Iraq and, and Afghanistan generation of, of, of people. Because if you look at like right. Vietnam, Vietnam movies and books, they're so just just all encompassing. I mean, like you don't have to be in the military to appreciate Apocalypse Now, right. Platoon. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, they, you know, it, it, it taps into some some some, some core uh, struggles and, and beliefs right. and, and, and the good and the bad and inside yourself. And, and they didn't really care about promoting, you know, uh, somebody's reelection or anything, you know, and, and, and right. uh, global war on terror. My generation of, of military literature was just, was just so <laughs> the opposite that I, I almost, I've always equated it that I felt kind of like punk rock fighting back against disco, you know, <laughs> is, uh, so I, I just kind of wanted to make like the anti-military book. So I did like, like a, a bit of like a sex, drugs, rock and roll version as far as the stuff right. that pe- pe- people don't want to ever talk about. And um, and it, it did OK. I mean, it got me here. Mm-hmm. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking on Rearbird Radio. But um, but my heart, but, but my heart was, has always been in, in weird fiction. I remember as a Marine, I was actually a police officer for a little while. I remember on off nights. Ah. I would be for, for eight hours reading, you know, Lovecraft and, and, and uh, right. Ray Bradbury and Clark Ashton Smith. And you had mentioned uh, The Throw, or is it The Throat? Is it The Throw or The Throat? The, the Throat. Throat. The Throat. The Throat, okay. Yeah. When you had said earlier how every few years you read it, that was that, that is me with The Throne of Bones. I have the cover tattooed on my arm. Uh-huh. And, uh, okay. I've, I've traveled the world with it, and it's been in, I mean, every airport and, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so my, <laughs> my heart was always with um where the, the darker side of dark fantasy sure and so and since i essentially got military stuff out of my system i uh, i feel like i've kind of like come into my come into my come into my own here so <laughs> well i think you did a great job of it and and the thing that uh the thing that i really liked about your book was the humor um and you don't see that a lot in fantasy at all I mean, you know, fantasy uh, still has a tendency to be that kind of stuffy, you know, high fantasy Tolkien-esque stuff. Which yeah, is, you yeah. know, right? It has its it has its role, but I think what I what I found most uh, really delightful about your book was the humor in it and the the kind of body characters. <laughs> I, I, I really like that. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that was that was um. That was a little bit of a, a, a nod to McNaughton, and but but I was yeah. definitely citing some sources from uh, uh, my twenties, um, uh, which was uh, you know in, in various uniforms of, of state and federal government, where you sort of observe every <laughs> level of human depravity. You know? so, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, John, thank well, you so much. Well, what are you so working much. on now? 
Uh, I am actually working on Malgara's uh, companion piece. It's called Amden Bog. It's uh, a bit of uh, it takes mm-hmm. place in the same world, um, but okay. it's uh, it's the, it's a it's a Southern Gothic um, novel because there's a part of the Malgaran Peninsula that is uh, swampy, and uh, you know I get to sort of uh, tap into being raised in the uh, Florida wetlands here, so I'm, I'm definitely. Uh, I'm, cool. I'm, 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 I'm in, uh, I'm about 90% done with the third draft, in fact. So looking forward to, um, actually, uh, hopefully, I don't know if you, if you're doing any of those pitch sessions at StokerCon, but I got a couple of folks to talk to about it. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, those are really, those are a nice little service at the HWA office, those, uh, pitch sessions. Um, yeah, I'm there's the, uh, I'm kind of, I got my dance car punched for a while, so. You got your what? I got my dance card punched for a while, so I really don't uh, don't really have oh. anything that isn't spoken for for the next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, for me, not so mu- not so much a publisher, but as far as uh, some of the guys who were looking to maybe transfer the intellectual properties to, like you know, film oh, yeah. and TV. You know, I, I, I'm shoot- I'm shooting for the moon. I- <laughs> oh yeah, why not? Why not? I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, John, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, folks, uh, John F. D. Taft, the author of the End of All Beginnings and Little Black Spots.